Hey, Brogan. Hey, what? I got a question for you. Where where does Liliana keep her armies? Well, Brian, because I'm well-versed in bad jokes, Liliana keeps her armies in her sleeveys. Hello, everybody, and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 225. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Prilliman, and I am joined this evening, afternoon, morning, whenever you're listening, by the, our other host, Brogan King. Hello. I really like that the, the, the um, whenever you're listening to this has just become accidentally a part of the show, because we'll say evening or night and then realize it. And then have to account for that because we're very considerate. It is when I when I start talking, it is something that I say, and like halfway through the word "evening," I go, "Oh wait, mm-hmm. they might be listening to this and drive to the work," and I immediately start to ad lib. Yep, but it, but it comes out the same way every single time. It, it really does. It's just kind of like it's a it's a rote memory mess up <laughs> at this particular point in time. Yep. Uh, I'd like to say that I do it on purpose, but I don't. I understand. Thank you for yes. being honest. Well, right. Well, this this episode is an amazingly special episode. <laughs> um, you know, it is it's it's the rare once a quarter release notes episode. Woohoo! And the set is a hot one. It it is. All right. So this is War of the Spark. Um and this is the culmination of multiple years where the big bad Nicol Bolas has put all of his little chess pieces on the board and has manipulated everybody, and it's it's harvesting time. Wait, so this is Infinity War? Yes. Yeah, though. So, yeah. so there is actually a, a, a realization coming up at the end of this month. All right, if you think about it, in Game of Thrones next week... Everyone's gonna die. Really? Well, I mean, it's the big battle with the with the undead army. Mm, okay, right. Yeah. Like, I, I have. I am not a Game of Thrones watcher, so I, everything I know about it, I have absorbed through cultural osmosis. Really? That's yep. surprising because you haven't mentioned it. I <laughs> fair. Okay. No, I mean, you haven't mentioned that you don't watch it. Right. Which is it's like it's like vegans, right? It is, or CrossFit. Yes. <laughs> I did used to be vegan, so I promise I'm not trashing on vegans. <laughs> it's okay. I'll edit it out. It's fine. Just tell me how you really feel. So I promise I'm not trashing on vegans. So anyway. anyway, anyway, next week, Nickel Bolas is going to kill a whole bunch of planeswalkers that we like. And also in Game of Thrones, they're going to kill a lot of characters that we... Uh, that we like, maybe. Um, <laughs> that we and might then, like. And then Infinity War comes out, which we have Thanos, who just killed a bunch of people that we like. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. That Spider-Man, I didn't really care for him all that much. I'm glad he's gone. Rude. Yeah, I'm gonna, we're going to get some hate mail for that. All he right. He's a nice kid. So, the theme for War of the Spark... <laughs> In Through a shocking twist of events... Is Planeswalkers. So and many. not... The Righteous Avengers kind, which is a 3-1 Planeswalker. Uh, what? What? Yeah. Oh, a Planeswalker. Yes. It has yes. Planeswalker. Yes. Look, I got to make that joke about once every 18 months. Love it. But 
Anyway, so the theme of this set is Planeswalkers. In fact, there are 36 Planeswalkers in this set. That is three dozen. That's a lot. And for the first time, they're not just mythic. There's going to be some at Uncommon as well. Yeah. And there's going to be one per pack, at least. That's wild. Like, you could get a foil. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, well, I just get a regular one and a foil one. Seems fine. Seems fine to me. But yeah, so there's a lot of Planeswalkers. So we figured one of the things that we should do for this episode is kind of briefly go over just how Planeswalkers work in general before we start getting into the regular, here are the new mechanics uh, for this set. Rules for Planeswalkers for this set are unchanged. Okay, they're the exact same that they've been in the past, but... They are they are unchanged from the most recent rules about Planeswalkers, let's be clear. They are not unchanged from their ori- original iteration when they first came out. Because some of the rules surrounding Legendary and whatnot have changed. So... So one of the big the big things with planeswalkers they are they are a permanent type, um, but the big thing is they've got these things called loyalty counters and planeswalker abilities. You go well, what's a what's a loyalty counter? A loyalty counter from a, a flavor standpoint is just this little counter that indicates how much the planeswalker likes you. It's like a video game, like where you where you try to get the characters to like you, and yeah. then and then get them to do favors for you, which makes them like you slightly less. Which isn't how it works in real life, but that's fine. Well, the, there's so the the there's a number in the bottom of the planeswalker uh, card where the power and toughness for a creature normally is that indicate. And so when the planeswalker enters the battlefield, it enters the battlefield with a number of loyalty counters equal to that starting loyalty. Okay, it doesn't matter how it entered the battlefield. If you cast it, if you blinked it, if you reanimated it, reanimated re yeah, that's a word. Um, <laughs> it is. Yeah, it just had too many dididids at the end, but. It comes into play, so like the, uh, there's a card, Domni, Domni, Anarch of Bolus, Domri, uh, Domri, yeah, uh, for one red and a green. It's got three. Uh, it's starting loyalty is three, so it's going to come in with three loyalty counters. D- you can deal damage to planeswalkers, okay, like they were almost like they were players. So if a spell says you know it can deal damage to any target or deal damage to a planeswalker, or you decide to attack a planeswalker it's going to lose loyalty counters equal to the amount of damage it took. And when you get to zero loyalty, that planeswalker has no loyalty towards you, and it's going to peace out. It says goodbye. Right. And the way it does that is you just pick it up and put it in the graveyard. So it's kind of fatalistic. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's the that's what we do when our friends decide to abandon us. They're dead to us. So you pick it up, put it in the graveyard. It's not a destruction effect. Now... There's other ways to get or remove loyalty counters from Planeswalkers, and those are the abilities. They can have plus abilities, um, like in the case of our friend Domri here, uh, that says a plus one, add a red mana or a green mana. Creature spells you cast this turn can't be countered. And so um, that you activate that ability by adding or removing the relevant number of loyalty counters. Um, the counters are added or removed before the ability resolves. Um, and in in this particular set, which I don't think is something we've seen before that I know of, maybe in a couple of instances, uh, there are some Planeswalkers that have no loyalty abilities that add counters. So some of them 
will come in with X amount and then only be able to go down based on what's written on the card. Um, also, historically, most Planeswalkers have had what we have referred to as ultimate abilities, where it's you have to build up loyalty and then it's minus a bunch that to create some sort of very powerful effect. Um, in this case, um, some of them do not have those, but they will instead have a triggered or static ability. Again, like Domery we were just talking about, uh, has uh, creatures you control get plus one, plus zero. And I think that's the case for just about every Planeswalker in the set. I don't think I noticed one that didn't have either a triggered ability or a static ability. So in a sense, they kind of function like enchantments. Mm-hmm. It's like a fancy um, enchantment. It is. Fancy pants enchantment. Fancy um, pants enchantment. Nope, doesn't yes. work. Pantsment. Ooh, I like enhancement. That's good. Enhancement. Sounds like sounds like you're trying to make a prank sound or like some sort of hazing. I don't uh, like that. No. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, um, the legendary rule applies to planeswalkers with the same name, not the same subtype. So this is a a change that is relatively recent if you've been around for a while. So I can have multiple leg- legendary planeswalker domeries out as long as they're not both Domery and Ark of Bolas, if they're, if they're a different Domery. There's just regular old Domery Raid or Domery Rod Raid. or whatever. Yeah. Now, one, one thing, why, one of the reasons why I picked uh, Domery to talk about is there's two, there's a few other neat little things about Planeswalkers. First, um, Domery Raid's plus one ability adds mana to your mana pool, but isn't a mana ability. <laughs> That's true, because explicitly, because one of the rules is that if it, to be a mana ability, it can't be a Planeswalker loyalty ability. Oh, we, d- we did, we actually, we did forget to mention, you may activate one loyalty ability of each Planeswalker you control during your turn uh, when you could cast a sorcery, okay? You or, can't or, just go go wild with them. Yeah, and when we say when you could cast a sorcery, what we mean is... Uh, during your main phase and the stack is empty, not, oh, I've played this this card that lets me cast sorceries as though they had flash, <laughs> so I can cast a sorcery during my opponent's turn. No, we're, t- we're talking about, you know, cast as a sorcery is just shorthand for main phase stack is empty. Now, here's here's something else that's kind of interesting. So Domri, Domri Raid, or Domri Anarch of Bolas says all creatures you get, all creatures you control get plus one, plus oh. So let's say I have a 1-1 a one, one creature. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's going to become a 2-1. Now, let's say that Domri has only two loyalty counters. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my 1-1 one, one is a 2-1, and I decide to activate Domri's final ability. And we haven't talked about this, which is minus two. Target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. Okay, so I got a 2-1 creature. My opponent has a bear cub that I really want to kill. Oh, boy. So I my Domri has two counters on it. I remove those two counters. I put the ability on the stack. Oof. Uh-huh. Okay, you see where I'm going with this, I right? I do, I do. So walk, 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 walk me through the rest of it then. What uh, bad things are going to happen? So, you've put your target creature you control fights target creature you don't control on the stack. Mm-hmm. You've chosen your targets. Yep. The ability's on the stack. Well, yep. um, our friend Domri here is going to go to the graveyard because they have no loyalty when and so when that ability resolves, your creature's gonna be a one-one. Oh no! Oof! Right. So keep keep in mind that 
that the, the putting the counters on and taking the counters off is a cost. So if you remove the last two counters or the last counters, the planeswalker is going to go to the graveyard and whatever. And there's several Before cards your in abilities this set. Yeah. And there's several cards in this set where that could make a difference. So we'll, we'll call them out when we see them. Yikes. But uh, yeah, don't don't get got. <laughs> Please do not get got. Do yeah. not get yourself. All right. So um, next we've got a spooky one. Yeah. So, do you want to do you want to talk about a mass, and I will talk about uh, a force divided by acceleration? Very good. Okay. Uh, I will talk about a church service. Uh, oh, very good. <laughs> uh, so, a mass, as we're going through the various mechanics that are relevant in this set, is uh, new and also brings with it a new creature type. Uh, so, an example of a card that uh, has a mass is Vizier of the Scorpion. It, it costs two in black. It's a 1-1 one, one creature zombie wizard. Uh, when Vizier of the Scorpion enters the battlefield, a mass one. Uh, and what a mass one means um, is put a one, plus one plus one counter on an army you control. If you don't control one, create a zero zero black army creature token first. Zombie army. Yeah. So, uh, army's new. Hey, Hey Brogan. Hey, what? I got a question for you. Uh, this the the whole amass thing is is kind of a uh, uh, the whole army thing is like this giant army of the undead is coming. And I, I got a question. Where where does Liliana keep her armies? Well, Brian, because I'm well versed in bad jokes, Liliana keeps her armies in her sleeves. Uh, but Liliana doesn't have any sleeves. So where does she really keep them? I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> All right. Uh, I I wish I could say. Right. Uh, uh, but yes. um, on Ravnica. Now that we have have our armies, um, some few things a few things to say about them. Uh, it's a new creature type. Uh, there are ways to get army creatures uh, that aren't specifically these army tokens. Uh, for example, cards with Changeling that are all creature types. They're armies now. Um, if you, um, because of the way a mass is worded, if you don't control an army, you'll first make a zero zero, then put counters on it. Uh, you're not, because they're all part of resolving one ability, uh, state-based actions are not checked in the middle of resolving that. So you don't say... Oh, I have a zero zero. Oops, it's dead before I put a counter on it. Yeah, I think they probably would have caught that in playtest, right? <laughs> you would hope. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe, but <laughs> what you know, rules nerds can hope. Like that would be amazing. Oh boy! It's like, oh, your new one of your new mechanics. It just straight doesn't. It work. just functionally doesn't doesn't just, work. Oh, that'd be uh, <laughs> no right though, uh, because of the way this is worded. Um, anything with a mass. Is, is set up so that you don't have more than one army. Um, but if you end up getting in a an army in another way, like you've copied it or something else happens such that you do have another army, when uh, mass resolves, you get to pick which army uh, will get counters. Um, it's kind of it's kind of weird because normally when we think of an army, we think of multiple creatures, and I in know. this way, they're they're representing the army by just having like one big creature making it big i also i thought the same thing it's like why why can't we get why can't it make multiple but then i guess you're just making tokens and that's not a special thing yeah 
Um, currently, everything that creates an army token will also make it a zombie army. Yes. Grim Grin. My Grim Grin in EDH deck is very happy. <laughs> I love Grim Grin. He's baller. He's a gross friend. <laughs> uh, and one last thing to say about a mass. Uh, there are, as we, th- I feel like this comes up every, every release notes episode. Um, some of the spells that have a mass uh, have targets. If the targets, all if all the targets are illegal on resolution, that you, you do not also get to a mass, which is very sad. So, so here's a here's a thing. I've actually been listening to Rosewater's podcast, and he said, I, I think it was on his podcast, that he wishes that they could somehow change the rules so that you'd still get like if it was you know tar- do something to target creature, draw a card, mm-hmm. and then that target got removed he was like oh i wish there was some way we could just have that draw a card happen reading these release notes the number of times that they almost petulantly said they have uh, to spell it out for you they had to spell it out the number of times that happened leads me to believe that that whoever was writing these things also agrees feels the same way feels right feels the same way because i could just almost feel like a little bit of i'm tired of writing this yep all right. Yep. So uh, they had to they had to make copies of that same statement over and over again. They had to proliferate it, <laughs> proliferate it throughout the show notes. Right. Right. Throughout the release notes. So proliferate is a is a returning mechanic, or is a mostly returning mechanic from Scars of Mirrodin, where it was first introduced. Um, and proliferate is a is a fun little ability that gets to play with counters. Um, so the most I guess like one of the simplest uh, uh, executions of that is a card called Contentious Plan. It's one in a blue for a sorcery that says proliferate, period, draw a card. And you go, okay, well, <laughs> drawing a card seems pretty good. But what's proliferate do? So what proliferate does is choose any number of permanents and or players, then give each another counter of each kind they already have. Okay, so let's let's unpack this a little bit. Each kind. Each kind. So you can choose any permanent with at least one counter. Okay, you can choose a player, or you can choose a player with a counter. Okay, uh, proliferate ignores shroud and hexproof because it's not targeting. Uh, you can choose opponent's creatures. Um, you don't have to choose a permanent if you don't want to. Okay, so if if they've got a planeswalker, the opponent's got a planeswalker, and you don't want to proliferate that, you don't gotta. But I can do any number of my planeswalkers if I want. Absolutely. So you can you can proliferate if you want to. You can leave your cares behind. I can leave my planeswalkers behind. Yes. Well, please don't because <laughs> you you want you want them. Um, the choosing uh, happens on resolution of the ability. So you, when you say, "Hey, I'm going to proliferate," you don't actually have to say what you're going to put counters on. But your your opponent's probably going to guess. <laughs> um, I mean, let's let's be real here. Probably. Um, yep. You can respond to the spell or ability that tells you to proliferate but not to the choice so like i cast contentious plan you can respond to that okay but once i start proliferating you can't be like oh i didn't realize you're gonna put a counter on that planeswalker let me kill it real quick nope too late buddy so i can't i can't say so if you put contentious plan on the stack yep i can't if i say okay what are you choosing your spells resolving yeah so that's that's a tournament shortcut um which basically says that you you've asked you've asked a question 
that implies that this that you've passed priority and that the ability is now resolving or the spell's resolving. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's a that's a good one. Um now here's a change from the previous pr- previous iterations of proliferate. It used to be if the permanent had multiple types of counters. So if you had a plus one plus one counter and oh we'll say a slumber counter. <laughs> Great. Um you got to choose one of those two counters and then increase that one. But they've made a change because I guess they figured that that wasn't strong enough. That was that was a little too watered down. It was not so, not good enough. Right. So now um if you have a uh uh, a divinity counter, a slumber counter, <laughs> a verse counter, and a gold counter. Great. Um, uh, you can you can get plus one of all of them. So um, many counters. Yeah, it is. There's there's a lot. Oh, there's a lot of silly counters out there. Um, and and speaking are of silly counters, of, are they made of granite? Uh, is there a granite counter? Uh, I was making a joke oh. about like marble countertops. Oh. Never mind. See, here's the thing. The the name the counter names are so ridiculous. I couldn't even <laughs> tell if you were making a joke. <laughs> Perfect. I should have just said yes. Right. I would have been like, oh, it must have be it must be like some weird rock creature from Tempest or right. something like oh, that. Oh, I didn't know about that one. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that such a thing as granite <laughs> counters existed. Um but also, oh look, planeswalkers have loyalty counters. Oh, what, what perfect timing. Yes. Oh, it's so, so good. So fortuitous. Yes. So, um, that's it. It's, it's planeswalkers, which we've had planeswalkers in the past. We've got a returning mechanic and then a thing that makes tokens. From a new mechanic standpoint, the set's not that complicated. Uh-huh. And I, yeah. From a mechanic standpoint, it's not that complicated. What about the everything else? Good God, it's complicated. <laughs> really, it's oh, there's so oh, much. There's there's thirty six planeswalkers, and they all do things. <laughs> they all do things that are like slightly outside of of just a normal vanilla card. So okay. we've got all this extra space to work with, right? So while we talk about some of these cards, we're probably going to spoil some of the 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 set or the plot for you. The cool so, story stuff. Um, spoilers. Um, yeah. You know, Snape kills Dumbledore. All that good stuff. Um, we already talked about Thanos killing a bunch of people we like, so it's fine. I was actually kind of expecting you to be like, "Hey, spoilers on on that kind of thing." <laughs> I was tempted, but. I didn't. I no. decided to not be that kind of person. Aw. But well, I'm being that kind of person now. You're being that kind of person? All right. So this set is really all about, like, the culmination of, of uh, Nikki B's uh, <laughs> uh, epic plan that has been going on since uh, uh, Time Spiral Block a decade ago or uh, over a decade ago but in reality only like three years ago because they retconned a bunch of stuff don't worry about it and they also like just brought nickel bullis back as a character that's actually relevant yeah so uh so yeah so so let's not pretend that they had this all planned out for like the last 10 years it's really probably about like five years ago they were like hey we should probably start making this stuff make sense but he's got a new card with a sweet ass new name you want to yeah. Want to take it away, Brogan? We went from talking about planeswalkers to talking about a planeswalker, and here is our good friend, Nickel Bolas, Dragon God. So cool. That's a that's a 
kind of that that name's a little egotistical, don't you think? Uh, have you met Nicol Bolas? Well, not met, not not like hello, ran into them on the street. No, uh, uh, I do follow uh, him on Twitter. <laughs> he has a Twitter. Well, I mean, um, presumably he has a minion tweet for him. Um, Very. I don't good. actually think that that he's on Twitter himself. How? What's he like on Twitter? Um, a little standoffish. Um, you know, a uh, little, little, little scornful. Uh, but other than that, you know. All right. Yeah, same so, old, same old. Sort of like, sort of like the the Wendy's uh, Twitter account. Oh, I love the Wendy's Twitter account and the Arby's Twitter account. So, <laughs> so good. At any rate. Our friend, Nicol Bolas, Dragon God, bleh, Dragon God, costs blue, black, 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 red. You can really see where his motivations lie. Um, but uh, he has a, <laughs> goodness, static ability <laughs> that says, <laughs> Nicol Bolas, Dragon God, has all loyalty abilities of all other planeswalkers on the battlefield. <laughs> just no big deal just no big deal has four starting loyalty hold on hold on yep mm-hmm. holy crap nickel bolus dragon nbd no big deal so, oh so we'll figure, my we gotta, gosh we gotta figure something out for the g but no wow okay Stupid. no big deal period good god period. Just, <laughs> no big deal god yep Okay. Uh, Sorry. At any rate, no, it's okay. Um, uh, his plus one says you draw a card. Each opponent exiles a card from their hand or a permanent they control. Again, no big deal. Uh, <laughs> so plus one, that's the thing he likes to do. Right. Yeah, the plus one is usually kind of mediocre. This is still pretty dang good. Uh, minus three, destroy target creature or planeswalker. Just removal for days. And minus eight... Each opponent who doesn't control a legendary creature or planeswalker loses the game. Very good. Uh, Ryan in the show notes has just put, uh, period, like, dot, 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 dot. (laughs) There's there's my rules commentary for you, folks. Uh Uh-huh. Which is is about right. Uh, (laughs) So a few notes about our friend here. Uh, Nicol Bolas does not gain the static or triggered abilities of other planeswalkers. It is just the loyalty abilities. You can still only activate one ability a turn at sorcery speed. If a planeswalker's ability references the planeswalker's name, it is referring to Nicol Bolas if you are activating that ability with Nicol Bolas. So if there's something that cares about... I can't think of an example right now. Um, like uh, Chandra, Chandra deals damage equal to the number of counters you re- loyalty counters you remove, right? Or something like that. So it's, it's referring to the card, this card itself, not the Chandra card that exists somewhere else on the battlefield. Um, any linked loyalty abilities are going to stay linked. So, for example, um, if you activate the plus one. Of this Nicol Bolas Dragon God, so each opponent exiles a creature from their hand or a permanent they control, and then you restart the game with Karn Liberated, those, you don't get back your very cool Nicol Bolas cards. Or, or activate Karn's ability through Nicol Bolas. Right. Right. If you, if, you, if you use the Karn Restart the Game ability on your Nicol Bolas card, you still do not get those cards even though they were exiled by Nicol Bolas. 
so you know, no big deal. Totally simple, not complicated at all. Yeah. Yes. And they're all like uh-huh. the whole set. Uh as a as a more fun note, um, that may or may not come up uh, in a multiplayer game. If uh, the card is being exiled from the hand from the each opponent exiles a card from their hand or a permanent they control, um, everyone will choose before the cards are revealed and exiled. So you don't have to I don't have to reveal mine. Then Brian, who's after me, has to reveal his. We all choose and then reveal at the same time. Mm-hmm. All right. So. Hey, it's another Planeswalker. Shocker, we're going to be talking about Planeswalkers a lot this set. Mm -hmm. Um, So this one is a Johnny the Great Hearted. Uh, For two green white, uh, it is a five loyalty Planeswalker that says creatures you control have vigilance. Plus one ability, you gain three life. For the minus two ability, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control and a loyalty counter on each Planeswalker you control. Each other planeswalker. Each other planeswalker. Yeah, that's that that word other is going to be relevant here in just a second because so if a planeswalker is both a creature and a planeswalker like Gideon, um, it will get a plus one plus one counter and a loyalty counter when the last ability resolves. Now, here's the wacky thing, um, because uh, Johnny's ability says uh, you put a counter on each creature and each other planeswalker you control. If a Johnny is also somehow a creature. Uh, like maybe it was turned into a dragon with Sarkin's ability. Um, it'll get a plus one, plus one counter, but not a loyalty counter. There's like, like I said, planeswalkers becoming creatures, y'all. This set is bonkers. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Luckily, that's the only thing that's particularly silly about a Johnny. Yep, yep. Um, related to a Johnny, we have a Johnny's pride mate, um, which is a two-two for one in white. That is a cat soldier. And whenever you gain life, put a plus one, plus one counter on a Johnny's Pride Mate. Uh, This will trigger based off of the event of gaining life, not the amount of life gained. So if I gain seven life all at once as part of one ability resolving, it's only going to trigger once, not seven times. Um, The same is true for any ability that says uh, you gain one life for each creature you control. Um, If I have seven other creatures... I'm still only gaining life the one time, and it will still only trigger one time. Um, If I am gaining life at the same time as my pride mate is taking lethal damage, uh, because the trigger has to go on the stack and resolve, state-based actions are checked before those resolve, um, I don't get my counters on my pride mate to save it before it would die. Uh, As a slight counter to um, things being one event of gaining life, if I attack with multiple creatures with lifelink, this generates uh, several instances of life gain. So if I attack with three creatures with lifelink, um, I am gaining life in three separate instances, so it would trigger three times. That's that's a little different from the damage that I'm taking because I'm being attacked by these lifelinking creatures. From a damage standpoint, I'm being dealt damage in one event. That was still one instance of right damage. Right, but but Brogan's gaining three instances of life gain because that's the way the rules are written for <laughs> some reason. Um, I mean, it it makes sense the vast majority of the time. It's just in that particular case, it's a little no. Bit- uh, actually, I think I think what the reason is uh, is because life link used to be a triggered ability. 
Mm. Okay, so the creature would deal damage and it would trigger so that they they so they made it separate life gain events so that it functioned similarly, similarly enough. Right. That makes I, I could, sense. I could be wrong, but that seems that is a reason that makes sense enough to me that I'm gonna pretend that that's the real reason. Uh oh, official answer. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you if you do happen to know a, a another reason for that, let us know. Uh and the last thing I have to say about Johnny's Pride Mate uh, is if you are playing Two-Headed Giant, as well you should with the new set, it seems Two-Headed Giant seems like it'll be bonkers crazy. Uh, in Two-Headed Giant, if your teammate gains life, that does not count as you gaining life, and you do not put a plus one plus one counter on your Pride Mate. All right. Uh, the next card is Ashiok. Dream render. I so you know I actually I had that in my head because we were talking about Ashiok, but now we're doing different verbs to the dreams. Oh, what was what was the what was Ashiok previously? Uh, Night, Nightmare Weaver. Nightmare Weaver. Yep. Jeez, this is Dream Render is so much more happier. Um, <laughs> it's true. All uh, right. Yeah. Okay, so Ashiok of the no upper face. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, has, a for one blue-black, blue-black hybrid. Ooh, hybrid's in here. We didn't mention that. Oh, yeah, hybrid man is back, y'all. Yeah. Um, you can yeah. cast your spells for one or the other of the colors listed. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ashok is five loyalty and has a static ability that says spells and abilities your opponents control can't cause their controllers to search their libraries. Oh, and fetch lands were sad. Yep. Um, and then uh, Ashok has a minus one ability that says target player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard, then exile each opponent's graveyard. All right. So, so the f I was having that? I was having flashbacks to an earlier point in my judge career reading this card because they what I had a question about I was head judging one of my first larger competitive events mm -hmm. and somebody asked me about the card shadow of doubt, which I think says players can't search libraries. Mm -hmm. Um, and somebody asked me, well, if I have this thing that says to search and then asks if I can shuffle and then, and then says to shuffle, do I still get to shuffle even though I can't search? And I asked so many judges, I gave an answer. I asked a bunch of judges after the fact, and nobody could give me a definitive answer. All right, it's we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's in the notes, and it's a little wonky. So mm -hmm. if you're if you're working and you're kind of only half listening, this one might be a one that you want to like stop, sit up, and be like, "All right, now what they say?" This one's relevant. Um, yeah. Okay. So first, let's let's talk about this. Says spells, spells or abilities your opponents control can't cause their controller to search their library. So what this applies to is the opponent's ability causing them to search their library, their fetch land, um, their you know whatever tutor it, for whatever. yeah right their tutor. But you can't hit them with a path to exile and then say. Oh no, you can't search your library for the basic land because that's that's a spell or ability you control, not your opponents. Mm -hmm. Okay, and if they can cast a uh, path to exile on you, and you can still search for your stuff, we're well, not cast on you, but one of your creatures. Okay, <laughs> right. 
So so now let's get into the, the shuffle craziness, okay? Because this is going to be a little bit subtle. If an effect says you may search your library for a land, you may search your library for a land. If you do shuffle your library, then in that particular case, you you can't search, okay? You, you cannot um, choose to search, basically. Right, right. Since it's, well, you can't search. And because you can't search... Okay, this ability says you 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 don't shuffle because it says you may search your library if you do shuffle. You didn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. If an effect says, uh, instead of saying you may, it just says search your library for X, then shuffle. Okay, you're going to shuffle even though you didn't search. Okay, because in the first case it said you may do this if you do shuffle. The second one says, you know, search, shuffle. You know, you can't search. So, but you still got to shuffle. You got to like, uh, like it's chunk more, from it's the more goonies. commanding, right? You got to do the truffle shuffle. You do not. Um, would no, well, it depends on the wording. So, <laughs> okay. Um, now in the in the uh, second ability, target player puts the top four cards of their library into the graveyard, then exile each opponent's graveyard. There is no time um, in between uh, when you essentially mill those mill those four cards and when the graveyard gets exiled so there's no there's no you know play something that maybe lets me try and dredge or lets me let me try and reanimate or anything like that none of that um you you can't cast your thing with flashback that hit your graveyard in the middle there right and now here here's one of the the other weird things is because ashok has a minus one ability so you you can drop them down to to zero um when you remove the last loyalty counter from uh as a, as a result of using the second ability ashak's going to be put into the graveyard the opponent can search uh their library before the mill ability resolves because ashak's in the graveyard mm-hmm. Whew. that's <laughs> that was that was a lot yep i well, think we were able to work together to get through that yeah we i'm, I'm glad we were able to Band together, which is... We're getting the band back together. Yes. Uh, Band together is an instant for two and green that says up to two target creatures you control deal damage equal to their power to another target creature. I like this card. Uh, It's relatively straightforward. Uh, However, as... As we were discussing earlier about weird things happening when... When targets go away... um, if one of your two target creatures uh, is illegal when it when band together resolves, uh, the other the remaining creature you have will still deal damage. Um, if either both of the both of your targets or the opponent's target is illegal, no creatures will deal or be dealt damage. So just be be aware of what what will happen with your spell. If what targets go away. All right. Uh, so we have a Bioessence Hydra. I love the, this card. This the, the art on this. Would you you like Simic in general? Of course I do. Simic Simic's got some good got the good goods with this set. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the art's pretty beautiful. It it's it's kind of like almost like a ghost Hydra or something. Yeah, coming it, out of a haunted mansion. Yeah, it does it's look not, like but, like a phantom in some way, even though right. it's it's not. Yeah, it's just behind it and really big. But for three green and a blue, we have a Hydra mutant. Um, uh, not not the kind of Hydra from Captain America, um, <laughs> or the kinds this, of mutant from X Men. Or right, 
oh, this could be this could be a new Marvel movie. Yes. Yes, a Hydra mutant uh, is a four four trample that says Bioessence Hydra enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter for each loyalty counter on planeswalkers you control. Bull. Uh-huh. Um, because there's a there's a lot of planeswalkers like that get a lot of counters. Like for example, uh, Ashiok had five loyalty counters for three mana. Mm-hmm. You can get you can get uh, you can get up there pretty quick. Um, and then when one or more loyalty counters are put on planeswalkers you control, put that many plus one plus one counters on Bioessence Hydra. Um, so planeswalkers entering the battlefield, they they enter the battlefield with counters that will cause Bioessence Hydra's ability to trigger so so if uh, uh bioessence hydra is on the battlefield uh and i play ashiok uh bioessence hydra is going to get those five counters from ashiok so good right now one one little quirk though is if you play something that puts a bunch of permanents on the battlefield at the same time and bioessence hydra comes down at the same time as another planeswalker it's not going to count those those counters uh, from that planeswalker that's coming in at the same time, because Bioessence Hydra, as it's coming down, it has to look at what's on the battlefield, and that other planeswalker isn't on the battlefield yet. And that's uh, that's all we got there. Yeah, very cool card. Uh, next card is Bleeding Edge, which is just such a it's just a, such a name of a black card. Uh, it is a sorcery for one black black that says up to one target creature gets minus two minus two until end of turn. A mass two. Um, so uh, it says up to one target creature. So you can choose to cast this without a target. Um, if so, you'll you'll just amass two. If you cast this with a target and then the target is removed before the spell resolves, you won't amass. Uh, just to remind you, much like our friend who is repeating this in, in the release notes and being spiteful about it, we will too. Uh, yeah, this was this one was a weird card. In the, in the sense that if you choose not to, if you choose not to target something, then you're definitely going to get the mass. You'll just you get the mass for free, right? Yep. Well, um, I guess for one black yeah. black. All right. So the the next card is a legendary artifact called Bolus's Citadel. So dun, dun, cool. Dun. Uh, it's for three black black black. Uh, it says you may look at the top card of your library at any time. Asterisk. Um, <laughs> in response, I'm going to look at the top card of my library. Well, well I say that I say that because when they say any time, they mean like any, except most of the time. Most of the time, I can look at you know it's like it's like that meatloaf song. Um, but you but won't can't do that. Do that. But, yeah, but I can't do. Okay, you're right. Maybe never mind. <laughs> never mind. We'll I got your reference. That, yes. All right. You may look at the top top. Well, there's nobody knows any other meatloaf songs. Uh, you know, I you know. know Paradise by the Dashboard Light. That's the name of the song, right? Is that a, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Do uh, any of our listeners know any song? Please, please tweet at us if the only meatloaf you, song you know <laughs> is I'll Do Anything for Love. If you, if you know, if you know more than one meatloaf song, I, I don't want to hear from you. Um, I think, I think I know at least two meatloaf songs. I'm sorry. No, I did. Okay. Podcast over. Podcast over. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right. What's next? Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna let that quiet go for a while, um, but then I realized that our silence truncator would just remove it. <laughs> that doesn't work the way we want it. it doesn't to. work the way I want it to. Okay, so the next ability is you may play the top card of your library 
if if you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to its converted mana cost rather than pay its mana cost, and then tap, sacrifice ten non-land permanents. Each opponent loses ten life. Oof. All right. Looking at that that first ability, you may look at the top card of your library at any time. Looking at that card does not use the stack and can be done at any time. Asterisk. Um, okay. In response, I'm going to look at the top card of my library. You don't have to say in response. Just do it. But here, here's the asterisk. If the top card of your library changes while casting a spell, okay, or activating ability, you can't look at the next new card uh, until you've gone through all the steps of casting that spell or activating the ability. Okay. So if something, for example, as part of the... We're going to get real obscure here. There is a card. <laughs> there's a card um, that it's a, I think it's an artifact creature where you tap it and mill a card off the top of your library and it, you gain a mana, a colorless mana. So if you start to cast a spell, okay, and you have, you have Bolus's Citadel and you know what the top card of your library is and you don't want it. So you activate this thing to mill that top card and gain that mana. You may not look at the new top card of your library until you're done casting that spell. Really obscure. Asterisk. Um, <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. Play the top... Uh, playing the... Uh, so you may play the top card of your library. It follows the normal timing permissions and restrictions. So if you've got a sorcerer, you can only cast it during your, your main phases when the stack is empty. Um, you can play a land from the top uh, if you haven't already played your land for the turn. Um, because you're doing an, an alternate cost... X is in that spell. X is zero. You can't be like, oh, I got my fireball here. So I'm going to pay. <laughs> I'm just going to pay uh, so much life. I'm going to pay so much life and burn your face out. I'm going to channel fireball you. Yep. Um, no. Yep. Uh, you still can pay additional costs. So if the, if or you still have to. Uh, if, so if the spell requires you to sacrifice a creature in addition to the mana cost, you're going to have to sacrifice a creature. Um, for the last ability, which says sacrifice 10 non-land permanents, Bolus's Citadel can be one of those permanents. And since it's each opponent losing 10 life in a two-headed giant game, that team's going to lose to, 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 to 20. <laughs> Everything must go. Everything including must Including your go. opponents. Yes. <laughs> it's come on down to crazy Bolus's Citadel. <laughs> I really like used car salesman Nickel Wallace very used much. Used car salesman Nickel Wallace. Come on down. We're harvesting sparks like crazy. If you've got it on, if you bring me a spark, we'll take your used spark and we'll put you in a new one. Oh, no. What evil right. have we created here? Right. I'm going to talk about a different thing. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about Bolt Bend, which is kind of neat. Um... It is an instant for three in red that says this spell costs three less to cast if you control a creature with power four or greater and change the card, the target of target spell or ability with a single target. This card says target a lot. Um, but the weirdest thing about this card is um, the cost reduction. Uh, so once you have announced the spell, uh, your opponents cannot then take actions to try to kill your creature with power for a greater to make your spell cost more. Um, at, by the time that they can do that, your spell has been paid for. The only weirdness with this uh, that is kind of silly is um, if you end up, if you have something that lets you sacrifice a creature to create mana, and that was your 
only creature with with power four or greater, um, the cost of your spell is already locked in at that point because of the order in which we determine how uh, costs are. The way we pay for for spells, basically. The steps of casting a spell, which we definitely have an episode about. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Once you've paid for it, uh, you do not choose the new target for the spell or ability that you're changing the target of until Bullpen resolves. Uh, With the way this card is worded, uh, you must change the target if possible. Um, There are some abilities that say you may change the target of whatever spell. Um, This this is not optional. Um, You cannot change to an illegal target. Um, If you do not end up changing the target, you don't change the target. It's not (laughs) changed. Um, If, uh, again, because this says change the target of target spell or ability with a single target. Um, If there's a spell or ability that targets multiple things, you cannot then target that with bolt bend. I have said the word target so many times that I need to, I need to take a quick trip out to uh, the target, get myself some box wine and snacks and some tchotchkes that I don't need. Box wine and snacks. Yeah. All right. Are those artisan snacks? They they are very artisanal snacks. Artisanal snacks. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you can be uh, uh, things other than uh, snacks can be artisanal. Fire, for one, can be artisanal. <laughs> Ooh, tell me more. Yes. yes. Um, I know this because there is a, sh- a card called Chandra Fire Artisan. Um, uh, wow. Yeah, the art's kind of weird because there's these little one-eyed thingies in the background. Are they thopters? I don't know. <laughs> they, they look kind of creepy, though. But for two red red for four mana, uh, Legendary Planeswalker Chandra uh, has a triggered ability that says whenever one or more loyalty counters are removed from Chandra Fire Artisan, she deals that much damage to target opponent or Planeswalker. Cool, cool. Um, She has a plus one ability that says exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. And a minus seven ability that says exile the top seven cards from your library. You may play them this turn. All right. Now, here's the... Uh, Again, on the list of Planeswalkers that can cause you to play yourself. Yeah, so Chandra... um, So dealing damage to Chandra, like dealing damage to her via a spell or attacking her, causes her to lose loyalty counters. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of punch yourself in the face uh, if you're at two life and you decide to attack Chandra. (laughs) Yep. No blocks. Um... Uh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna shoot yourself in the face. Um, if multiple creatures deal damage to Chandra, it's uh it's just one event pulling the counters off, so it's only gonna trigger the one time. Which is different from the life gain thing, as we were discussing yeah. earlier. I mean, it's it's really so you're only gonna you're only gonna get to like you you're not gonna be able like if if I hit her for one if I attack her with two one ones. I'm not going to be able to say, okay, I pulled off one counter, so I'm going to target you, and another counter comes off, I'm going to target the Planeswalker. No, two two counters came off, I have to target either the opponent or one of their Planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's see here. Uh, uh, exiling Chandra or blinking Chandra doesn't cause any counters to be removed, so no trigger. If you... <laughs> If you minus seven her, uh, if you use her minus seven ability, the the damage here will go on the stack above her triggered ability. Because guess what? Removing those seven counters is removing one or more of your loyalty counters from Chandra. Yeah. Uh, right. 
So when you minus seven hurt, you're gonna minus you're gonna seven to your opponent's face, probably. And then uh so you've got these seven cards that you may play this turn. Uh timing restrictions on the exile card still apply, you still gotta pay for the mana cost and all that, but you got you got an extra hand essentially for the turn. Card is really cool. It is really cool. Speaking of hands. Speaking of hands with creepy lines flying off the card, uh, Davriel Rogue Shadow Mage, which makes its own name impossible to read because of the weird smoke billowing off of its hand. (laughs) Um, It is another Planeswalker, who would have guessed, uh, for two in black that comes in with three starting loyalty. Uh, It says, at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, if that player has one or fewer cards in hand, Davriel Rogue Shadow Mage deals two damage to them. Also has a minus one ability uh, target player discards card. So, uh, in every release notes episode, uh, we discuss that intervening if clauses exist, and this is one of them. Uh, Intervening if clauses uh, require the trigger condition to be true in order for the trigger to go on the stack, and also when it resolves. So, at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, if that player has one or fewer cards in hand, so if in their upkeep, if they have two cards in hand, uh, you you can't wait for the trigger to go on the stack, make your opponent discard a card somehow, and then have it resolve. It will not go on the stack at all, unless the trigger condition is true. Then it also checks when it resolves. Uh, another small interesting thing about this card, uh, in a two-headed giant game, the uh, intervening if clause... Uh, ability, intervening if trigger will uh, trigger for each opponent separately. Gross. Oh, all right. So this is uh, uh, the next card is everyone's favorite homunculus. Uh, the hype, the hypest homunculus. <laughs> the the, <laughs> the hypest homunculus. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, this is this is Fiddlethip the Lost. So uh, cool. Yes, for one in a blue, it is a legendary creature homunculus, a 1-1. One, one. When Fiddlethip the Lost enters the battlefield, draw a card. If it entered the library, if it entered from your library or was cast from your library, draw two cards instead. And when Fiddlethip becomes the target of a spell, shuffle Fiddlethip into its owner's library. All right. <clears throat> so, uh you can't normally cast Fiddlethip from your library to get those extra two cards. If you want those extra two cards, you're going to have to find another way. You need a something that lets you do that. Yeah, like a Bolus's Citadel. Hey. 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 Um, if an effect exiles Fibblethip from your library and then lets you cast it, um, it's it's cast it's being cast from exile. So if something if something's like, um, uh, you know, like exile the top five cards of your library and then uh, like Sh- Chandra's ability, like the Chandra, yeah, yeah, you're you're casting it from exile, not your library. Uh, the last ability. Um, which was when Fibblethip becomes the target of a spell, shuffle Fibblethip into its owner's library. Um, and I'm saying that word way too easy. Um, <laughs> it, it triggers when it becomes the target of a spell and will resolve before the spell does. Okay. Um, it does not trigger off of abilities targeting it, spells only. Um, and it can become the, uh, and this is kind of weird because we have some things that let you redirect. So Fibblethip can become the target of a spell because that spell is cast targeting Fibblethip. It can also become a target because a spell has redirected another spell to Fibblethip. 
So like I'm, bolt bend. Like bolt bend. Hey, it's all starting to come together into this <laughs> nice, cohesive package. So Fibblethip just referenced three cards previously in the episode. Uh, we definitely yeah. planned this 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And and now, we're going to get the next one. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> Feather the Redeemed, which is a really cool card that is really undercosted. Uh, it is... It, yeah, it is. <laughs> it, uh, Feather the Redeemed is a 3-4 legendary creature angel for red, white, white with flying and a wall of text that says, Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets a creature you control, exile that card of said, instead of putting it into your graveyard as it resolves. If you do, return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. A few things. Um... If Feather is still on the battlefield when you finish casting that instant or sorcery that targets a creature you control, the ability is going to trigger. If Feather leaves the battlefield after that, it does not matter. Um, the uh, target, the spell that targets a creature you control um, can also have our other targets. It does not only need to target a creature you control. Um, uh, Feather's trigger creates a replacement effect. Something fun about replacement effects um, is that there are some spells that say something like uh, uh, take another turn, uh, exile this card. Uh, something yeah, in, that, in that case, is, it's not exactly a replacement effect, but it's it is replacing what you would normally do. You normally put in the graveyard when you're done and it just says exile it. It's it's part of the spell resolving. If if the card you're if the spell you're casting explicitly says exile this card um, as part of the spell resolving. Um, Feather does not apply to that because you are never going to put it into your graveyard as it resolves. So Feather never has a Feather's replacement effect never has a chance to apply. Um, however, if your spell has a different replace, replacement effect trying to apply to it um, that tells you that also tells you to exile it, um, you get to choose which replacement effect applies. And I don't know about you, but I would choose to apply Feather to get my card back. So so like an ability like Flashback. So you mm -hmm. flashback a card and Flashback says, um, you know, if, if, if this card were to, you know, exile this card instead of placing it anywhere else. So it's going to go to the graveyard, but since you cast it with Flashback, there's a replacement effect that says exile it instead. Feather is also saying, hey, instead of putting it in the graveyard, exile it instead. In that particular case, we've got two replacement effects that are trying to do the, you know, that are trying to modify the same event. You get to pick which one, pick which one that you want to do first. And if you exile with Feather, well, flashback doesn't matter because flashback says exile instead of putting it anywhere else. We are already exiling it. So flashback isn't going to apply. Right. Yep. So that's, that's Feather. All right. <laughs> Feather's cool. Yep. So, finale of promise. <laughs> um, so, uh, put on your reading glasses. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, so every uh, so this is X red red. This this uh, so every every set we have a card that lets you cast spells without paying the mana cost. And every set we have a card that lets you copy spells. And we go over all of the rules 
about casting spells without paying the mana cost <laughs> and what all the rules about copying spells and what you can do, what you can't. And now both of those <laughs> walls of text are on the same card. Uh-huh. So you know what? If you really want to know what this card does, you're going to have to just listen to some of our previous listen episodes. Listen to a different release notes episode. Right, for cards that don't actually apply because I am so sick of going over this. Look, hey, you know, let's 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 be real. Let's be real here. We do this every quarter and they put them both on the same card and it's just there's there's a point where even our sanity breaks and this is that card. So I'll read it. <laughs> and then just let you guys figure it out yourselves. Um, in in six point font, um, <laughs> you you may cast up to one target instant card and and or up to one target sorcery card from your graveyard, each with converted mana cost of X or less, without paying their mana costs. If a card is cast this way, if a card cast this way would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. If X is ten or more, copy each of those spells twice. You may choose new targets for those copies. Uh... Just... <laughs> no. Hey, I tell you what, if you want us to talk about this card, donate to our Patreon, because that's about the only way you're going to get me to talk about it. That... We don't have a Patreon, so yeah. joke's on you. Got him. Got him. That's the sacrifice they're going to have to yes. make. Yes. Uh, and the sacrifice Gideon's going to have to make. Spoilers. Oh. So yeah, Gideon's sacrifice is a card. Also, Gideon is sacrificing himself to save your girl Liliana. Good for him. Uh, but uh, Gideon's sacrifice is an instant for uh, white. Uh, it says, choose a creature or a planeswalker you control. All damage that would be dealt this turn to you in permanence you control is dealt to the chosen permanent instead. And then the little reminder text says if it's still on the battlefield. Uh, which is part of the fun about this card. Uh, this card will have no effect on any previously dealt damage, so it cannot prevent damage that has already happened. Um, if you have no creature or planeswalker, when Gideon's Sacrifice resolves, nothing will happen. Um, also, if the creature or planeswalker that you chose is not there to be redirected to when the damage would be dealt, nothing happens then either. Um, you can redirect more damage than, um, the actual toughness or loyalty of your respective creature or planeswalker. Um, it does not change the source of the damage. It does not, like, make Gideon sacrifice deal the damage or something. Um, <laughs> so, if I cast two or more Gideon sacrifices and choose two or more different creatures, can we then split the damage uh, between multiple... Be between my different chosen creatures or planeswalkers? And the answer is no. Uh, you can choose one and redirect all that damage. And then later, if there is a different instance of damage, you can choose another one that you have, that you've already chosen. Yep. That's pretty much that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> all right. So uh, <laughs> have this... fun with this one. Yeah. So this, this, okay. So I, I gotta admit when I, when I saw these cards and I saw that the, uh, uh, the gods from uh, 
from, uh, from Amonkhet. Amonkhet had been made into Eternals. They're so cool. I, I hadn't realized, I mean, I just kind of thought that they were just dead, but I didn't actually think they would be made into Eternals, which which when I saw that card, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, oh. So this is God Eternal Kefnet for two blue blue is a four or five flying zombie god. So cool. Okay. Um, <clears throat> also with six point font, uh, you may reveal <laughs> the first card you draw each turn as you draw it. Uh, whenever you reveal an instant or sorcery card this way, copy that card and you may cast the copy. That copy costs two less to cast. Then when God Eternal Kefnet dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, you may put it uh, into its owner's library third from the top. Okay, that last ability we're not going to talk about a whole lot, but really what we're <laughs> going to talk about is the the you may reveal. Okay, so what you want to do is when you you're gonna you're gonna start to draw your card, you're gonna you're gonna want to remember to reveal it. This is a may. You don't have to reveal it. If you draw that card and put it in your hand, and you're like, "Oops, I wanted to re- re- tough," you forgot. Mm, this is like a miracle, right? There's actually um, a Karanos, God of Storms, mm. also had a, a similar thing. Um, so you get to look at the card as you're drawing it. So you pick it up and you get to see what it is before it gets in the hand. So you make your determination and put a dice on top of your library or something to help you remember. You can do that. Um, <laughs> we we believe in you. Yes. Oh, you uh, mean the, you are allowed to do that, not you are f- capable of doing that. I understand. Well, you, you can do both. You're allowed to do it and you're capable of it. You know, <laughs> Both are um, true. So here's, here's the thing. If the card is revealed this way, it stays revealed until the trigger is done resolving. Um, let's see here. Uh, you, if you have multiple draws, they're treated individually. There's only one first card drawn a turn. Um, let's see here. Cards that are put into your hand without using the word draw aren't drawn. So if it's just reveal the top card of your library, if it's a land, put it in your hand. That's not a draw. Um, uh, I actually watched a game of Magic Arena B1 with Underrealm Lich for this reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you you aren't drawing your cards anymore. No, nope. nope. so. you're just taking the top three, putting them in your hand, right? Or picking mm-hmm. one and putting it in your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when this triggered ability resolves, okay, it, you have to cast the copy then. No, I want to wait and cast it later. I want to do it during my main phase. If you wait, you lose it. Um, the, the the reason, the way you know when you can, when that is the case or not is if the you can cast it specifies a duration. Yeah. If it doesn't, sure. you have to do it then. Um, let's see here. Uh, if you draw a card on your opponent's turn, uh, yeah, uh, this this ability will trigger God Eternal Kefnet. Uh, uh, he don't care. It don't care whose turn it is. It just cares about the first card. Mm-hmm. Now here's a neat thing: uh, the copy is created. Uh, in your hand, so you're actually casting the copy from your hand, which is kind of, I don't know, I haven't given a whole lot of thought as to where, where copies are created. Where the, I, I, the copy of a card goes? Well, yeah, a copy's created, like, I thought that they got created in Exile, but I guess I'll have to I, go look at the details on that. Um, I don't know either. Yeah, now here's here's the thing. If somehow you've got two Kefnets, uh, because there's a, a clone that lets you copy creatures that isn't, and it the copy isn't legendary. Um, so if you've got two Kefnets, um, you're going to get two copies off the reveal. So you're going to reveal that card, and the, you're going to get that trigger twice. 
Um, so you're going to get two copies. But the two copies are each going to cost two less. You don't get four less. Don't be greedy now. <laughs> they, there's two copies. They are each two less. They are not each four less. Right. That'd be bonkers. Yep. Oh, this next card I put in just for you. I'm so happy you did, Brian. Uh, a light in the tunnel of overly complicated cards. Uh, they're not actually overly complicated. They're very great. There's just so many. Um, Huatli, the sun's heart. It, each creature you control assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. It has but damage. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's a planeswalker. Oh yeah, this is two and uh, one green white hybrid mana for s seven starting loyalty it's nuts <laughs> uh and it's minus three says you gain life equal to the greatest toughness among creatures you control um so yeah this does butt damage um or causes your creatures to do to do butt essence damage Hy essence hydra this for three mana oh yeah the, seven counters the uh yeah that's so good i really like this that bio essence hydra is super cool um but the only thing to note about Watley the Sun's Heart, other than butt damage, um, butt damage does not actually change the power of your creature. So if you have something that gives your creature plus one plus O, like Domri that we had talked about earlier, that's still boosting the power. That is not boosting the toughness, and you're not. It's not change how your creatures deal combat damage, or the the plus one plus O is not going to make your creatures do better damage. All right, man. What's up? I gotta, I gotta do this better because I got another six point font. It's cool. I'll, I'll get, I'll get one in a, in a, in yeah, soon. All right. So this is Karn, the Great Creator. <laughs> so cool. Four, four mana, five starting loyalty. Activated abilities of artifacts your opponents control can't be activated. Womp womp. Great. Yep. For a plus one. Uh, until your uh, until your next turn, up to one target non-creature artifact becomes an artifact creature with power and toughness each equal to its converted mana cost, and a minus two that says you may choose an artifact card you own from outside the game or in exile. Reveal that card and put it in your hand. All right. So the first ability uh, only works on artifacts on the battlefield. Abilities from other zones are fine. Uh, sometimes activated abilities from artifacts are mana abilities. Uh, so all those wonderful, you know, uh, moxes that you were planning on playing with your Karn, um, aren't Blech. going to tap for mana. Ick. Ick. Yes. Uh, first of all, I would say Ick to playing with moxes and, and Karn the Great. But anyway, <laughs> uh, for the second ability, uh, artifacts, uh, that become a creature can only attack if they've been controlled since the beginning of the most recent turn. So if you play an artifact and then animate it, uh, it's got it's summoning sick. Okay, um, so if X is in the converted mana cost, X is gonna be zero. So let's hope Oof. your uh, engineered explosives. Uh, you're not. You don't don't turn those into. Don't creatures. don't target that. Don't do that. Don't don't do it. Um, now Karn's last ability because uh, you may choose an artifact card you own from outside the game or in exile. All right, in a tournament setting, that's gonna be your sideboard. <laughs> uh, but in a, casual, in a casual game, it can be your binder or whatever you brought with them. Just don't spend time running upstairs to go look through a box and be like, I know the perfect card. I know exactly what I need. Right. No. Just just no. Um, so Karn's, Karn's last ability. This is, this is kind of weird. Um, 
because cards in exile can be exiled face up or face down. Okay, and if it's exiled face down, the game really doesn't know what that card is. It might have an ability that there might be an ability that lets you look at it so you know what the card is, but the game doesn't. So Karn can't actually, if that face down card in exile is an artifact card, Karn can't go get it because the rules of the game can't don't don't know that it's an artifact, even though you can look at it and you can see that it is. But, you know, it's... The game doesn't know. Yeah, he's not that great of a creator. I mean, he's got some limitations. Uh, Yeah, I like that card. The art's really cool. It is. Uh, Speaking of cards with really cool art that I also think are really cool, uh, Narset, Parter of Veils. Partier. Partier of Veils. Yes. Uh, (laughs) I like that better. Um, Yes. Look at the hands. There's a rave going on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You need to do that the rest of the time I'm talking about Narset. Uh, please don't. Okay. <laughs> uh, Narset. Call, call. <laughs> oh, I did. I, nope. <laughs> Narset Partner of Veils has five starting loyalty. Uh, costs one blue blue uh, for a planeswalker uh, with a an ability that says each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. And a minus two loyalty ability of look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a non-creature, non-land card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. We are really only talking about the first ability here. Um, so each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. They uh, just ignore other draws. Um, if something... Uh, the this, this looks back in time in a way. Uh, so... If they've already drawn a card before Narset enters the battlefield, they do not then get to draw another card now now that Narset is there. Narset knows, yes, that because she is part of the Veil, uh, that they've already drawn that one card. Uh, now we get interesting. Um, if my opponent... Let's say I'm playing against Brian, and Brian has a Narset, and I cast a spell that says, draw two cards... I will draw one card and then not draw another card. Okay, seems straightforward. I thought you said this was weird. Totally fine. But if I cast a spell that says I may draw two cards, I don't get to draw any cards. Wait, what? Hold on. Back up. What? Uh Uh-huh. The reason being that I cannot choose to draw two cards. So it says you may draw two cards. I cannot then say... Yes, I would like to draw two cards because Narset says no. Narset says you can only so okay. So because you would only end up drawing one of those two cards, you cannot choose to draw the two cards because I would not draw two cards. Cuz you because it's an illegal choice. Mhm. It's it's like it's not exactly like not, not never mind. It's not quite the same as the uh uh you can't opponents can't search their <clears throat> libraries situation. Oh. Um, next, next, you're going to be telling me there's something weird about replacing draws. Oh, hey, Brian. What? While we're here, um, if <laughs> you have a replacement effect that replaces your first draw of the turn, uh, then that replacement effect has successfully replaced me drawing a card so I can continue drawing a card later. So let's say I had dredge which means i put something i don't even remember what dredge says it says i can mill some cards and put the card in my hand right um 
So if I dredge rather than drawing a card, that dredge is replacing my draw, and I have not drawn a card. So you haven't drawn a first card. You haven't drawn one card for that turn yet. Correct. So okay. Okay. Then if I'm I so then if I cast another spell that let if I cast a spell that lets me draw a card, I can still draw that card. However, now that However. I've drawn now that I've drawn that card, uh, if I try to draw another card, and I can no longer dredge either. There is okay. nothing. There is nothing to be replaced because the act of drawing that second card in that turn cannot happen. So okay. I cannot replace it. Oh, okay. So I can't. I can't draw. So I've already drawn my card for turn. Mm-hmm. Now I w- I played something else that lets me draw another card. I would like to dredge instead, but I can't because Narset is preventing that second draw from happening. So I can't replace that second draw with a dredge. Correct. Okay. All right. Uh, partier of veils indeed. <laughs> partier of having no fun. Part, party on, Narset. Um, We're going to have a celebration. Oh, yeah. So here, so uh, maybe even a plane-wide celebration. Wow. Not, not quite as cool as the galaxy-wide celebration uh, at the end of Return of the Jedi. <laughs> but um, still, still pretty, pretty substantial. Still pretty good. Oh, so here's here's a, a real quick Star Wars trivia thing for you that I just <laughs> learned last week. The the happy song at the end of the Phantom Menace when they're all celebrating the end of the war on Naboo. Uh-huh. Okay. There the the, the like the, there's like some kids singing like da 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 that is that's the Emperor's theme sped up and made a higher pitch. Oh my gosh. Right. Weird. Which, right. Oh, I just started to appreciate that song a lot more. I gotta go listen to that. Right, right. That's Don't very... go watch the movie, because the movie's awful. I will but not. But you can go listen to the soundtrack. Soundtrack's good. Okay. I believe that. <laughs> yes. Plane-wide celebration for five green green. Uh, it's a sorcery. Choose four. Well, you, you may choose the same mode more than once. Okay. The four modes. Create a 2-2 citizen creature token that's all colors. Okay. Return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. Proliferate. Gain four life. Okay. So there's really only two things to note about this card. Uh, You always follow the instructions in written order. So you're going to do however many times you choose the first mode. You're going to do those before you move to any of the second mode choices, before any of the third mode choices, before any of the fourth mode choices. Okay. Um... The next thing is the second mode has targets. So the whole thing about targets being removed and stuff like that. So if you choose everything, you know, just one of everything, uh, and you say, I'm going to return that target permanent card, and then someone goes in and yoinks that out of the graveyard before plane-wide celebration happens, the plane-wide celebration gets canceled. That's tragic. On account of rain. Canceled on account of the card not being in your graveyard. Yep. All right. Just and that's it's a, that'd be a pretty sad day. But you know what else is a sad day? <laughs> Naming a card Prison Realm? Uh, yeah. I mean, okay, spoilers is Bolus. He looks yeah. so he looks so sad and he's missing the little ball between his horns. Oh, he is. He is. I didn't notice. So yeah. is this is this like so he loses. Yeah. So check out the horns in the background too. Those ain't Bolus's horns. Oh, 
They're Ugin's horns. That's Eugene. That's Eugene. Oof. All right. Uh, I had looked at this card before right now, but had not fully parsed the uh, the impact of that art. That's pretty cool. It is. Uh, Prison Realm is an enchantment for two and white uh, that says when Prison Realm enters the battlefield, exile target creature or planeswalker an opponent controls until Prison Realm leaves the battlefield. And when Prison Realm, Prison Realm enters the battlefield, scry one. Uh, so, when Prison Realm enters the battlefield, there are two triggers, um, which means you have to declare the target for for being exiled before you scry, because they are both put on the stack simultaneously, and you need to choose a target before it can go on the stack. Um, if, much like uh, other cards that have come out recently that are worded like this, if Prison Realm leaves the battlefield before the exile ability resolves, it whatever you're uh, targeting is not going to be exiled at all. So it does not leave the battlefield and come back. It does not leave the battlefield forever. It just will not be, be exiled at all. Boom. Woohoo. All right. A little bit of roll reversal here. Should we should we reverse the roles by making me talk about this one? Uh, is this because you're trying to avoid the card after this? Oh, no, I don't mind doing the card oh, okay. after this. This was just me being uh... cutesy. Actually, let's do it, because then that sets you up for a Simic, or for a green, uh, blue-green card. I don't actually want to swap. Oh, well, then, <laughs> well, then why'd you offer? Okay. I was being funny, Brian. Oh, well, I, you know, hey, okay, so roll it's reversal. A, it's, it's a roll reversal. You're it's a usually, roll reversal. You're usually the goofer. I, no, I'm serious <laughs> all the time. Uh-huh. Okay, so roll reversal is blue, blue, red for a sorcery that says exchange control of two target permanents that share a permanent type. All right. Um, if one of the targets is illegal, when we go to resolve, the exchange isn't going to happen. Okay, so that's that's kind of the way exchanges work. If 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 you can't both exchange, then you don't you you don't you can't you can't. Um, this exchange effect, you're, you're changing the control. It doesn't end at the end of turn. It just kind of goes on. <laughs> There's no duration here. In perpetuity. Like, it, and what's great is I remember, like, if this type of card was back in, like, the, the, you know, beta unlimited days, it would actually have to tell you that you have to give the cards back at the end of the game or something along those oh, lines. Gosh. Because, like, anti was a thing. People would be like, yeah. oh, we, ex we exchanged cards. It's now mine. Okay. But I no, believe that. No more of that. Um, now, here's a cool thing for multiplayer. You don't have to control any of those permanents. It's just exchange control of two target permanents. So you can make uh, Ed and Jill swap creatures just for funsies. Just um, because. Right. Um, you can also choose two permanents that are controlled by the same player. And if you do, nothing happens. So why'd you do that? You um, get... You get to trigger any abilities that trigger when you target something. Yeah, I think you're reaching there. Um, I'm looking on the bright side. Yeah. Um, now, gaining control of a creature doesn't give you control of the auras or equipment attached to it. Probably gives you the benefit, but it's not going to give you control of it. So, like, the equipment, they can, you know, your opponent can move it off. If it's an aura and it has, like, an activated ability, depending on how it gets into the creature, you might not be able to, to, to use it fully. But, you know, hey... Them's the breaks, y'all. That's how it be. Yes. All right. On to another planeswalker 
whose art I think is very cool. Another one? Another planeswalker? Another one. Jeez, there's so many planeswalkers. <laughs> Sarkin, the Masterless, is uh, a planeswalker for three red red with five starting loyalty. Uh, that says whenever a creature attacks you or a planeswalker you control, each dragon you control deals one damage to that creature. Neat. Uh, pl- plus one until end of turn. Each planeswalker you control becomes a four-four red dragon creature and gains flying. <laughs> uh, also minus three. Create a four-four red dragon creature token with flying. K- Khaleesi, who? <laughs> See, I I understand oh. that reference, but uh, it have the, the the cultural. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't hit me quite as hard. It's not in your zeitgeist. Your own personal. Right. Exactly. Uh, it's, but uh, I heard said, Hold my you like <laughs> right. I heard you like dragons, so I put some dragons in your dragons, and here we are. Uh, I heard also heard you like planeswalkers. We put dragons in them too. Um, <laughs> uh, this does not give your planeswalker dragons haste. So if you played a planeswalker this turn and you plus one your Sarkin, uh, they are a dragon now, but. They are not hasteful, and they cannot attack. Uh, Once your plus one ability resolves, uh, your Planeswalker dragons aren't Planeswalkers anymore, uh, because it just says they become dragons, not dragons in addition to anything else. Um, They still have loyalty counters. They still have loyalty abilities. uh, But they are not going to lose loyalty if they're dealt damage, while they are not currently Planeswalkers. That card is cool. It's very neat. That card is so cool. The only way that card would be sillier is if it turned your planeswalkers into dragons until your next turn. Because then, if your opponent's creatures attacked, all your planeswalkers would hit them back too. Yeah. So, so like, if you turn Domni, Domni Anarch of Bolas into a dragon, it would give itself the plus one, plus zero. Oh. Uh, yep. Right. This is this is an exciting card, y'all. It's just because who doesn't love dragons? It's very cool. You know who doesn't love dragons? Tamio. Tamio. I don't think she likes dragons. She doesn't seem. <laughs> she's too peaceful for that. I I don't think she likes dragons, y'all. I, I don't I think blame her. She's, she's just kind of like, eh, pass. <laughs> They're. Um, she can research them and then move on. Yeah, I think it's just like eh, they 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 burn books. I don't. Know. They're they're messy. Um, so Tamiyo, Collector of Tales, is for two green-blue for a five-loyalty planeswalker. Tail, tales with a T-A-L-E-S, not T-A-I-L-S. Yes. <laughs> She's not collecting tales off of things. Well, what's what's that, uh, that, uh, creature from Kamigawa? It's, uh, eight and a half tales? Yeah, she wouldn't collect all the tales. She only got that half a tail. It was nine tales, but she got half a one. Yeah. Um... So spells, spells and abilities your opponents control. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> so spells, spells and abilities your opponents control. <laughs> I got the giggles. Uh, spells and abilities your opponents control can't cause you to discard or sacrifice permanence. Okay, that's the that's the static ability. Now plus one, choose a non-land uh, card name, then reveal the top four cards of your library. Put uh, put all the cards with the chosen name among them uh, into your hand, and the rest in your graveyard. That one's fairly straightforward. Uh, minus three, return target card from your graveyard to your hand. All right. Um, 
if a spell or an ability in opponent controls would force you to discard or sacrifice a card, uh, you just don't. Yeah, so how about no? How about you discard a card? How about you go just put that card back <laughs> in the graveyard? Instead, I will not. Instead, go something yourself. Um, if, don't actually say that, please don't. No, we're judges Do and not. we'd have to. Yeah, don't. Um, if a spell or an ability uh, an opponent controls states something that's okay. So this one's a little weird. If a spell or ability uh, an opponent controls states that something will happen unless you sacrifice a discard, uh, you can't choose to discard. So it's like, you know, take five damage unless you sacrifice a creature. You can't choose to sacrifice the creature and then have that not happen. You can't make a, you can't make an illegal, Mm -hmm. okay? Or you can't make a choice that you can't make. So you're going to take that five. Um, However, if the ability says sacrifice a permanent unless you do X, so that's in the other direction, in that particular case, you can just say, no, I'm going to sacrifice the permanent. And I'm, I'm you, going to choose to not do X. Well, it's not even, it's not even, yeah, it's, it's not even really a choice. You're just, you're just not, you're just, I'm going to do the thing. Kind of the default is sacrifice a permanent. I can choose into doing X. The game's not going to force me to, force me into choosing that. So mm-hmm. sacrifice a permanent unless you do X. Uh, I'm just going to not do X. Not and do an so, X. Not do X. So I'm going to sacrifice, oh wait, I can't, bop, bop, um, Sacrifices uh, aren't destruction effects or state-based actions, like zero loyalty or zero toughness or lethal damage. Those aren't sacrifices. Um, If an opponent has an effect that reduces your hand size, let's say we'll get aggressive and say reduces your hand size to zero, and you've got five cards in your hand, you go to the end of turn, you're going to have to discard those five cards. That's not an ability an opponent controls that's forcing you to discard a card. That's the game rule. The the ability your opponent controls changes the game rules, and the game rules make you discard the card. Right. Okay, so now the last, this last point. This one's kind of wacky. So her, her minus three ability says return target card from your graveyard to your hand. So if Tamio has three counters on, you're going to say, okay, I want to return target card from a graveyard to your hand. I'm going to remove those three counters. Tamio is going to have zero loyalty, go to the graveyard. So I want to target her and bring her back. Doesn't work that way. Because what happens is, is you have to choose the, you remove the counters, you put the ability on the stack, and you choose the the, the targets. Um, Tamio state-based actions hasn't been checked yet, so Tamio's not in the graveyard, okay, when you have to choose the target. She's not there. So it's already on the stack, already has targets when Tamio's put into the graveyard, so. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little odd. Yep, yep, yep. So. Basically, you can't choose her for her own minus three. All right, home stretch. two cards left. Let's get them. We're going to topple this episode. Just like we're toppling the statue. Uh, topple the statue is a an instant for two and white that says tap target permanent. If it's an artifact, destroy it. Draw a card. Uh, so you can target any permanent with this. Uh, it does not have to be an artifact. But does if it, it is, it does not have to be tapped. Uh, if it is an artifact, it will be tapped first and then destroyed. You know... For the just the additional rubins, <laughs> I'll just I'll tap it first, then I'll destroy it. Can you, so you're completely within your rights if you say topple the statue and you cast it on an artifact, and they just pick the card up to put in the graveyard. You go whoa whoa whoa. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. You tap that. Yeah, I'm gonna need you to tap that for me. No, please don't do that. That's just rude. You're, I, you're, you can, but uh, that's just rude. Um. <laughs> Uh, 
much as we've said before, uh, if the target that you are choosing, that you are targeting to, to tap is gone uh, when the spell resolves, or is not a legal target when the spell resolves, uh, you don't get to draw your card. Did, uh, did we remind you that we don't, that that's a silly, silly rule? But you know who's not silly? Our friend Eugene. Oh, Eugene. All right. I'm actually looking up. Okay, so this is Ugin the Ineffable. Ineffable means too great or extreme to be expressed or described in words. So is that ball that he's holding... His ego? Is it, is it, is it Bolus's ball? I may, maybe. That, that would be actually, you know, oh... Oh, you're you're a dragon god. Well, I'm too awesome to even be described. <laughs> Look what I am. Yeah, you, you thought dragon god was cool. I can't even be described, yo. <laughs> My words don't even have color associated with them. All right. So Ugin is 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 six mana planeswalker, four starting loyalty. Colorless spells you cast cost two less to cast. Two colorless less to cast. Um. Has a plus one ability, exile the top card of your library face down, and look at it. Um, not look at it, then put it face down, but face down, then pick it up and look at it. Um, <laughs> create a 2-2 two, two colorless spirit creature token. When that token leaves the battlefield, uh, put the exile card into your hand. So so kind of like, you know, manifest, kind of like morph, but you're still going to yeah. get the card. Um, and then minus three, destroy target permanent. Uh, that's one or more colors. Okay, so a colorless spell that costs one or two colorless to cast will now cost zero. Okay, uh, now that's that's they're generic not, mana. They're not less than zero somehow. Yes, uh, it's also um, uh, two generic mana isn't the same as color. You know, specifically colorless mana. So if something has like colorless mana in its cost, it's it's only this is only reducing the generic the generic mana. Um, we don't have colorless man in this set, so we don't got to worry about that. Bop, bop. Um, hey. Hey, so you can look at that face-down card whenever you want. You can peek at it. Now, here's a, here's a funny thing. If an opponent gains control of Ugin, they can't... Your Ugin, so they take your Ugin. They can't look at your face-down card. Because the thing that lets you um, look at the card is the ability that... Uh, exiled it and put it face down. It's not like a static ability on Ugin. If Ugin had a static ability that said, like, you can look at face down cards exiled with Ugin this way and someone steals it, you could you could look at it all you want. Um, uh, or they could. Um, but because it's tied to the ability that exiled the card, it's, it's set. So there's no, no changing that around. Um, and because it's all set up by the ability, when that 2-2 dies, even if Ugin isn't on the battlefield, you're going to get that exiled card back. Um, now here's, here's a... a like Morph, <laughs> uh, if you activate Ugin multiple times to get those two two colorless spirit tokens, you're going to have to track which exiled card goes with what face down to or what face down exiled card goes with what two two token. Please, please, please keep track of this. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's the law. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just a good idea. The law. Um, now, hey, cards like doubling season. Doubling season is a thing. Um, if you activate that ability and do that exile. Uh, to get the token, you're going to get two spirit tokens. Okay, but you're only going to exile one card from the library. Um, if either token dies, uh, you're going to get that card. So uh, Ugin and Doublings, you know, who would have thought Planeswalkers and Doubling Seasons work well together? Uh-huh. Um, actually, interesting thing about Doubling Season. Um, doubling Season uh, 
does not uh when you play a planeswalker it's going to double the loyalty counters on uh, like so if i had a doubling season out and i put ugin down ugin comes into play with four loyalty counters doubling season would make that eight okay but ticking the counters up like adding the loyalty counters because it's a cost doubling season doesn't double counters put on things as as the result of a cost womp city right but still you know i drop i drop my You're ugin just putting it on the battlefield right I get I get double counters, and then if it's like, oh, I'll make a dragon token, I get two dragon tokens, and all sorts of, I get two spirit things, and all sorts of craziness. Yeah. <laughs> Planeswalkers <laughs> and doubling season work well together. Yep. They, they, they may not work well in the way you initially think they do, but still good. Yep. And so, if you've been paying attention, we've been doing these cards in alphabetical order, and that's the use. So, uh... uh you... You's gotta stop listening to this episode. Oh yes, and we gotta stop recording it because <laughs> this is this is this has been a powerhouse episode in terms of like this set is so there's so many moving parts. This is why they only put in two new mechanics. Right, exactly. They don't they don't need more. There's already enough complexity in so many of the cards that they don't need to make additional mechanics to to mess with. Yeah. I really feel like this set, like they've they've been saying, I was like, oh, well, the design space on Planeswalkers is limited. And then they just were like, hold my beer. Here here you go. You you know why it's limited? Because we used it all up in this one set. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's fair. Nope, this is all we got. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're out. No more Planeswalkers for a while. It does actually kind of beg the question of what the next set's going to be, because they kind of got to start the next you know general story arc right is it just going to be like suddenly suddenly the moon on innistrad starts to rumble or <laughs> or or suddenly elspeth shows up and everyone's like who's this who are you who are you and she's just like oh well funny story i just passed by this other white planeswalker on my way up and oh uh, no <laughs> oh oh kitchen oh kitty kitty died yeah uh, well, is there anything else you want to say about any of these cards or in general? I like them. Yeah, I think it'll be a good set. I think it'll be a very different limited format than what we've experienced recently. Uh, but I'm open to that. I think it'll be interesting. I think this, I think this, there, there's a huge amount of hype. I really like the way they revealed the plot of the set. Rolling out the rolling out the cards in a specific order mm-hmm. to tell the story. I know it kind of dorked up people who the pre-ordered novel. the the novel, but I mean, yeah. you you kind of got if you if you put the novel out, people are going to spoil the plot. If you put it out the cards, people, you know, what, I don't think there's a, there's no good way to make them both feel appropriately important. I think I don't know. I I actually feel like since the book could go more in depth with things that. You know, and once the cards are out, the plot's kind of ruined for the book anyway. So your actual window of getting the book and reading it before the yeah. cards come out is really small. Super narrow. Yeah, so maybe they just decided that it's like, ah, those three days aren't worth it. Anyway. I don't know, but it's cool. Uh, the determining what is a threat and what isn't a threat in this set is going to be really interesting. There's a lot of really cool cards. Once people get, I think once it, when it first comes out, everything will be very, very slow because people won't have any dang idea what to do about planeswalkers. Uh, but we'll see. Kill them with fire. I believe that. Kill everything uh, with fire. All right, Chandra. I think that might be Jaya. 
Uh, yeah, I think yeah. that fight fire yeah. with fire. Of course, you fight fire with you fight everything with fire. Exactly. That is the end of this episode. If you would like to get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, our page is called JudgeCast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash JudgeCast or at JudgeCast. You can find our website and archives at JudgeCast.com. You can email us at JudgeCast at gmail.com. And that being said, ooh, what do I keep it tonight? I think tonight I'm Brogan King and I'm keeping it fair. Ooh. I'm Brian Perlman and I keep it fun. Yeah, you do.